You know, today I was planning, before this all happened, uh, Pastor had asked me to continue with our series. You know, we're doing this series about knowing God. And today I was going to talk about the reliability. Can we trust the Bible? Is the Bible reliable? And as I was studying and preparing for it, one of the things that struck me is that most people, or a lot of people, are demanding to see evidence that they can put their faith in the written word. They want to see archaeological evidence. They want to see scientific evidence. They want to pair up the facts and the things that are written in the Bible with history and with other supplemental information to make sure that what the Bible says is accurate. What troubles me is that within seconds, people take information and share it with others without verifying its truthfulness so quickly. I believe that as Christians, if we were so quick to send out messages about who God is, we would have had a viral explosion of Christianity throughout the world. If we were to share those messages as quickly as we share all this news about the virus. So number two, stop sharing information that is not helpful. Share the word of God. We don't combat fear by piling up and bottling up. And, you know, Pastor Adrian told me that he, um, he went to a meeting. We, we had a meeting, so he went to Home Depot. And there was a, a truck full of Clorox. We, we need a Clorox. We need to clean our facilities more than usual. <clears throat> and he said, okay, you know, so he went back to his car, had his conference call, I promise you, I was on that meeting. It was not more than 45 minutes. 45 minutes later, he went back, and there were three bottles left. Three bottles left. I've heard that people are stockpiling. I mean, that they have, that they've thrown out their clothes from the closet, and they have toilet paper, Clorox, hand sanitizer, Lysol, wipes. I mean, really. Stockpiling and hoarding is one way that you embrace fear. Oh, man, because you, the thing that happens is that all of a sudden you open up that storage facility that you created in your home, and you're putting your faith in that. That will not save you. As I said, fear is a negative emotion that does not come from God. There is a fear that God has called us to be in as Christians, and that is the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord does not cause us to be, be scared and afraid for our lives. The fear of God causes us to seek him in honor, in reverence, in love, and in goodness. That's not the kind of fear that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of fear that began when Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden fruit, from the fruit of the knowledge, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You may remember that what happened was that the minute that they ate that, they looked at each other, and for the first time, they felt ashamed. And they quickly ran and hid from each other. Shame came. And they hid, they sewed up fig leaves. Well, we say fig leaves, but we don't even know. Just leaves or something. Um, they sewed them up, and they made their first outfit. And then the next thing happened. They heard the Lord walking in the garden, as he usually did, strolling through the garden, wanting to see his creation, his son and his daughter, and just spend time with them. But this time, 
that did not come to him. And he said, why are you hiding? And they said, we hid because we were afraid. Afraid of the God who created them and loved them, who shaped them, who gave them everything, who gave them dominion over all earth and told them to multiply. The very God who, the imprint of who he was, they were made in God's likeness and image. That God, they they flew, flew away from, they hid They hid from him. Fear will cause us to run away from God. Fear will cause us to shriek in fear and hide and recoil and not be afraid and not be intelligent. Fear is a terrible emotion. Sometimes I've suffered, and I believe I've shared here, that I've suffered from anxiety, depression mostly, but anxiety at times. And I can tell you that the moments of anxiety is because I am afraid of something, an impending doom, terrible happening. And it paralyzes you. And that is happening around the world. People are being paralyzed by this spirit of fear. Fear will cause us to run away from God. And, but fear is, not, fear is not something that it, God God knows that we will fear. That's why he left 365 verses about us not fearing. There's one for every day of 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 our lives, of the calendar. So this is not a strange thing. It does not surprise God. And it is something that we see even in our heroes of the faith. And we're going to talk about that because Timothy, Timothy is a disciple of Paul. And Timothy, and I want you to pay attention to this, because Timothy is being charged to proclaim the gospel to the next generation. He is key. I want you to hear this. Timothy is important and valuable. He is key in the transmission of the faith for the next generation. But it seems like Timothy was afraid. And here Paul comes and speaks to him and says, in 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7. And this will be the core message, a core verse that we will refer back to time and again during the time that I have remaining. Paul says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands in you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So first, we have to remember that if God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, fear is placing faith in the wrong kingdom. Chris Wallatin says, and thank you, Harold, for posting that because you just made my teaching that much better. Fear is faith put in the wrong kingdom. Fear is believing the enemy. Fear is believing that the enemy is greater than our God. And that is not true. Timidity is lack of courage and confidence. Timothy was afraid and he was timid because now he had to stand and proclaim the gospel to a world that did not know Christ. But he was afraid because people were telling him, you're going to get killed. You are going to die if you continue to do this. 
But Paul is reminding him, do not forget what your mother and your grandmother did. They stood up in faith. Godly, amazing warrior women who are praying. And I believe there are many sitting here today and watching us through that internet. You have prayed your family into the kingdom of God. And now Timothy, called to, to teach in the next generation, is a little bit afraid. Those are strong words because basically Timothy is telling, Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, my brother, do not coward under. The Spirit of God cannot and will not produce fear in us. But the enemy who roars like a lion seeking whom to devour will. We make ourselves weak by not seeking refuge in God's word, by feeding on things that fan do not fan the gifts of faith, but our worst fears. Again, I plead with you, if you can do anything today, is just listen to the news once a day. Just once. Give yourself five minutes. Just so you know what's going on and then turn it off. If you're going to, if you're so itching to listen to something, I encourage you to log on to our YouTube channel. We have all our teachings there. So you can fan your faith, the, the flame of faith. Read the Bible. If you are not reading because maybe you're busy at work, put it on your, put it, you know, put it on, on your app and, may, and have it speak to you. Have it read to you. We feel afraid because we put our eyes on the wrong thing. I want you to hear me. I am not saying that we ought to ignore what is being told to us by our authorities on how to con uh, uh, contain this pandemic. But we are asking you to be wise so that you don't put your fear in the present and the future. I hope that by the end of today, we will be so secure in who God has called us to be that we will not be afraid. We will be wise and smart. You won't be stupid. Sorry. But we will be smart. Pastor Chris, I'm sorry, I know you're watching, and you're probably going to say, SP, you know, tone it down. So let's read this verse again. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God has given us, so I'm going to focus on what God has given us. He has given us a spirit of power. How many say power? Say power. Power. Now, what does this power mean? It's a power to overcome obstacles. It's a power to think clearly and soberly. It's a power to take difficult information and process it through the lens of faith. I, I'm telling you, this week has been a rough week. We here at Numa Church and Numa Christian Academy have had to make lots of decisions. And we had two choices. Do we embrace this fear or do we pause, pray, and ask God to give us guidance? Psalm 112.7 says, They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to take care of them. Power gives us boldness. Boldness to trust. Boldness to proclaim the gospel and the hope of Jesus, even in the darkest of time. Tita told me on Friday an amazing story. Um, there's this gentleman who is one of our vendors and has been a vendor for Numa Christian Academy for a long time, for almost five years. 
And this guy has been with us all, for every event that we have, every time that we've made, uh, we've, we've preached the gospel and we've been, made an altar call, every single time that Pastor Chris has taught here, he's been here. And he was still very skeptic and very like, you know, well, you know, that's nice. I, you guys are very nice people, but, you know, I'm not really interested. You know what happened on Friday? That gentleman came here and he was afraid. He was in a panic. And he opened up to Tita and was so visibly shaken. And at that minute, Tita told me that, do you guys know who Tita is? Tita is an amazing woman. If you know Tita, you know that this woman is not afraid of anything. She is one of our, she and Harold run our G2G Kids Ministry, and I thank you for them because they do an amazing, amazing job. So Tita immediately feels that the Holy Spirit is saying, this is the time. Today, this is this guy's moment. I've been preparing for this moment, and now you have to speak. So she shared the gospel with him, and she told him about our amazing God and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and how he would calm his fears. And she asked him, do you want this? And he said, yes. So she prayed with him, and he made the salvation prayer, and then she prayed over him. And at the end, she opens up her eyes, and this man is crying. And he says, I have never, ever felt so much peace in my heart. That, church, is why we are here. Because we are being called in the middle of crisis to share the gospel of Christ instead of hiding out somewhere else. God has given us the power. I'm going to read to you Psalm 91. I think by the end of this epidemic, every single person will have memorized this psalm, and that is a good thing. I'm going to skip here and there, but I'm going to read to you. Because Psalm 91, the confidence in which we have believed, is a confidence that allows us to declare and believe it. It says, This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God. And I trust in him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. Now, if you're following along with me, I'm skipping ahead. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness. Do not dread it. Do not be overly worried about it. Do not feed it. This virus will end, and we, the church, will stand. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Wow, what an amazing promise. It is the power to believe what we do not see, but he sees. That's the spirit of power that he has given us. God has given us a spirit of love. It is the love of an amazing, caring father who suffered death in the most humiliating way so that he could take up our sins, our collective sins, and pay the full debt so that you and I could have a way to the father so that we can run back to him, not like Adam and Eve did, but we can run back to him and say, Daddy God, I need you. He surrendered his own son. Jesus Christ was filled with a virus. 
the virus of our sins. And he came to death, but he resurrected on the third day, and he conquered death. And I love this verse, and there's an amazing song with it. It's on 1 Corinthians 15, 55 to 57. It says, and I love it. Is it up? Because I want you to read it with me. I want you to just really get into the, there's a word that we say in, in Spanish, like peliculera. I love to get into, like, the whole story. <clears throat> it says, death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in God's victory. Oh, death, and it's kind of like mocking. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is a sting that results in death. Ha <laughs> ha. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God. Thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's give it the Lord a hand clap. Death cannot overcome us. The Lord has triumphed over death. But at the core of this pandemic and at the core of this crisis is the people, is that people are gripped with fear because they do not know where they will spend the rest of their lives on this other side of heaven. They know, most people know that there is an eternity. And they're afraid that they're going to die and that anguish will, wait, will await them. They don't know where they're going. That's where they're afraid. But again, I want to tell you, if you're watching us, I want to tell you, and I wanna, we're going to read some verses, and you're going to know that you, there, there's no reason to be afraid. You have to make one choice, and we'll lead you at the end to make it. Romans 8, 35, 37, 38 says this. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persuaded, persecuted, I'm sorry, or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory. I love that. Underline it, circle it, put it somewhere. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Isn't that amazing? That's beautiful. And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, highlight, nor our worries about tomorrow, double highlight, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below or in the air. Indeed, nothing in all creation, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from his love, not even death. Not even death. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. In some version it says, of sound mind. Now this sound mind is, and self-discipline is not just about um, controlling yourself to your selfish desires. Yes, there's a big portion of that. But a sober mind, it's about thinking clearly. So sadly, there are, seriously now, there are people who are truly becoming hoarders with this whole epidemic. <clears throat> and they're not thinking correctly. Because when we think as Christians, 
we think like, you know what? I don't think just about me. I think about other people. What am I going to do with 600 rolls of toilet paper? Like how many, I mean, it just doesn't, like the math doesn't add up. It just doesn't. A sober mind thinks clearly. Buy the stuff that is necessary. Yes, take the necessary precautions. Do that. Do not hoard. And do not spend more than you are able to because some of you, some people, I'm not saying you, but maybe, maybe, um, are spending money that, that you don't even have. You see, it's a chain reaction. It's cool because I've been, this week I've been talking to lots of people, um, you know, calling people off, making sure that everyone's okay and stuff like that. And that's what we usually do, but more so this week. And so someone was telling me that uh, she heard on the news, they interviewed this lady, and they asked her, how come you're buying so much toilet paper? And she's like, I have no idea, but I saw everybody doing it, so I just started buying it. Really? Really? Come on. And then what I'm going to say now, it's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty sad. Pretty sad. In Italy, a, um, a porn site that has, this for Italians, um, has uh, premium access. And out of the overwhelming generosity of their hearts, whatever, they are giving free access to all Italians. Did you hear that? Can you hear the enemy working in this? Can you hear how the enemy is using this to trap people into the pit of hell here on earth? People are seeking to satisfy their own desires, their selfish motives. And they're doing that so they can trap people into the addiction of pornography of women and men being enslaved to perform sexual acts for the pleasure of others. People have been, who have been sexually trafficked because that's what is being watched. The horrors of some of those girls that we just saw, some of those girls that are being rescued. Pastor Chris and Gabby were at a village and a mom has six little girls and she was willing to give them to Pastor Chris and Gabby for free. And these people are using that for their selfish desires. Philippians tells us that let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. We cannot react in self-centeredness and crisis. It's about other people. It's not just about us. Someone told me, it's like, well, SP is more about like, you know, as I say, if you're on a plane, you know, you have to put your own mask first and then help the others. I'm like, yeah, okay, I know. But there are people trying to put on five masks at the same time on themselves. Someone, some other person is going to be left without a mask if we engage in this level of selfishness. But as a church, we are told that we are to think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works in Hebrews. Love is not just an emotion. Love is an action. To let others know that we love them, we have to actually show them with actions. And so we go back to Psalm 112.7 that says that they do not fear bad news. 
They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. I'll read it again. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. Now the question is, who is they? Because we're very quick to take that promise. Who are these people? So for that, we have to go back to Psalm 112.4, and it says, Light shines in the darkness for the godly. The godly are people who have made God their everything. These are the people who are hiding in the shadow of his wings, but not hiding because they're afraid, but hiding because they're being empowered to be the church. Listen to this. It says, they are generous, compassion, compassionate, and righteous. Righteous is that they do the right thing. So here are the keys. We are to be generous with our faith. We are to share the gospel with other people. Do not be afraid. Call on people. People are panicking. And I think that at this moment, just as it happened with this man on Friday, they are probably in a situation that they will be more open to listening to the message of Jesus Christ. So be abundantly generous in sharing your faith. That does not mean that you have to expose yourself. You can call. You can text. You can send an email. You can post something on Instagram. You can make a recording of yourself with a video and post it on Snapchat or your story feed in Instagram. Be creative, but share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be generous in sharing your resources. Don't hold money as your savior. We know that we can only serve one master, God or the God of money or the master of money. God is our best choice. Share your resources and be compassionate. Genuinely care for others. Let's genuinely think about the people who right now are mourning the death of a loved one because of this pandemic. They have lost a mom, a dad, a son or daughter, a grandfather, a grandmother. I actually think that this pandemic is targeting, this is just me, so, you know, don't call Pastor Chris and tell him that SP is saying crazy things. Well, go ahead and tell him. Um, but I think that this is targeting the elderly. <clears throat> Who are the elderly? But our wisdom generation, the people that, I, my mom, my mom is 89. One of my mentors that I love so much, she's 78. And they're in deep danger because of this virus. I think that this strategy from the enemy is trying to wipe out a generation on which we have to stand, the shoulders upon which we need to stand. So we do need to take care of them. So will you be compassionate and care for them? If you have a neighbor that is elderly, could you knock on their door, maybe wipe their door with Lysol and make them pre prepare them a meal? Ask them if they need you to go to the pharmacy or something to pick up for them. Ask them if they need. Maybe pass them your phone number under the door and tell them if you need anything, call me. Would you pray for them? Would you pray for the kids who... I know a lot of the kids are happy that they're not going to school, but there are a great number of kids. Miami-Dade County, 70% of our students count on those free and reduced meals that they have for breakfast and for lunch every single day. Now, there are provisions being made so that they, they will still be fed, but 
What about the moms and dads who now have to figure out another, something else for them? Those single moms, come on, can maybe we decide that we're going to, you know, the mom still has to go to work and maybe I don't or I can stay home because I have the privilege of staying home. Maybe I can take care of that kid. Can we be compassionate and kind? So as I close, what will we do as a church? Who will we help? The body of Christ has a long, long history of running into danger when others flee. Did you hear that? We need to run to danger. We cannot run from it. We need to be wise. Yes, I know we need to be wise. But please, in your wisdom, don't be, don't just be selfish. So how do we stand in this crisis? The answer is that we don't. We do not stand. We kneel. We kneel because we come to God knowing that he is our answer. He is our refuge. He is our strong tower. And without him, we are finished. We kneel in reverence and humility, understanding that he is God and that he has not caused this. We kneel in prayer and in worship. We kneel humbly to ask for God's amazing mercies. And we kneel in repentance from our selfish hearts. But while we're down there and we are kneeling, we need to not just wash our hands, but we need to wash feet. Church, come on. We have been called to wash the feet of others and to serve them with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, and with everything that we have. Because everything belongs to the Lord. So wherever you are, I'm going to ask you, take a knee. Bow down if you are able to, physically, bow down. And I'm going to ask you, and you're going to ask the Lord, what will you have me do? Who are you asking me to serve? What financial resources are you asking me to share? And let's just sit and ask God those questions. What are you asking me to do? Who are you asking me to serve? And what are you asking me to share? I'm going to do this prayer based on 1 Peter 5 that says, So we humble ourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift us up in honor. We give you, God, all our worries and cares because you care for us. We will stay alert and watch out for our great enemy, the devil, because he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We will stand firm against them and be strong in our faith, remembering that our faith, that our family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering we are. This pandemic is not new. 
There's been suffering happening globally for a long time. In his kindness, God has called us to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So, church, after we have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen us, and he will place you on a firm foundation. If you're sitting here watching us and you have not made the Lord, your, Jesus, your Lord and your Savior, if you are unsure as to where you would spend the rest of eternity were you to die today, and you wish to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, the faith in which you will anchor all decisions, the one who can cast out fear because of his great love, I ask that you repeat this with me. Jesus, I ask you to come and reign in my heart and my soul. I surrender to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Seal me. I repent for my sins. I choose to be led by you and to follow you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In you I trust. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. If you made that decision, I ask that with the people who you're sitting with, watching online, or if you are here, that you would come seek one of us. So we, will, we can talk to you about your next steps. Because asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior requires some things for us, some next steps. You can write to us also through our social media, and we will reach out to you. And as we begin to close, I want to ask that we finish by declaring our entire trust in God, and we will do so by presenting to him our tithes and our offerings. Because we trust in him as our provider. So where you are, you can, I want to strongly urge you that for today, for every day, really, I know Evelyn would thank you, that you send your tithes or your offerings through text. And you can text to our number 45777. Follow the prompts on the screen. But if you do still need to write a check or put some cash in the envelope, they're provided for you. And I want you to hold on to them for a minute. If you have a prayer request, Write it in, your, in a card. We will also be praying for those. You can submit your prayers online as well. And so we just thank you, Daddy. We thank you, Father God, because we trust in you. You are so awesome, Lord. I love you, Daddy. There's no one like you. No one like you, Father. There is no one so kind and so generous, so loving and so joyful. God is joyful and he rejoices with us this morning. He is not mad at us. He is not. Thank you, Jesus. So will you stand? And let me pray for you. <clears throat> Father, I bless my brothers and my sisters. 
And I ask that you would help us exercise our faith, the faith that you have already given us. We don't need great faith. The size of a mustard seed is all we need. And as the course of this week, and that we will seek to be generous. I pray that you open up our eyes and that we will see with your eyes and that we will love the way you love and that we serve as you serve. I pray that you protect our entire community. Cover us with your loving kindness and goodness. I pray that no harm will come to us. But if it, one of us would, were to get sick, we stand in the hope that we profess because we know where our faith is based on. We know that you, Jesus, are still on the throne and that on the other side of heaven, you are waiting for us. You have made a dwelling for us, a home. I pray, Father God, that as a church, we will not hide out in panic or fear, that we will be wise but that we will be the light in this darkness that seeks to wrap us so that as we hide in the shadow of their wings will be so that we can be emboldened to preach Jesus and to serve others I pray I bless you in the name of Jesus Christ Amen